forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello. I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I recently went up on my mental health medication. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, week, and I've been sober for six months, 10 days, two hours, 10 minutes, and seven seconds. Hey! Hey! According to my sober app. How are you feeling? Fine. Uh, I. It's funny how quickly you like, it, once you take that off the table, you forget it's an option. Although I will say fake alcohols are, oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean, if we get sponsored by fake alcohol, I love it. But some fake alcohols are gross. I like to have like a mocktail where it's not, it's just like um, yeah. juices and like seltzers. Yeah. And like, so it's still like a fun drink, but it's not mm-hmm. like attempting to be like a fake beer, if that makes sense. Have you ever heard of a shrub? No, what's that? A shrub is like a a fermented, it's like a drink where they use like fermented or like pickled like juice substance and they put it with seltzer and like flavors and stuff. And it kind of has this like biting taste. It's really good actually, but it's non-alcoholic. Is there mushrooms in it? No. I don't want to drink mushroom. I'm just going to say that. You're not right now. (laughs) I'm not interested in drinking mushrooms. Allison Raskin, I don't want to drink a mushroom. Nobody's asking you to drink well, a mushroom. A lot of these drinks, they try to sneak a mushroom in. Who? And, and it was called shrub. I don't know. I'm just on alert. Tr- like shroom plus rub, shrub. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just. I'm, it's an I'm old. It's worried. like a drink from like the the. <laughs> it's like a drink from olden times. I had one at the farm we went to, and then they I had another one at. Andre's Fine Dining, Lakeside Dining, which is a, a restaurant we went to for with my parents and Mal's parents to uh, celebrate the engagement. Oh, yeah. How did that go? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was fine. Uh, my parents have started listening to the podcast again, which is a real bummer for me. Uh, but they've started listening to it again. And so I'll say it went great. Okay, well, we'll talk offline. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was fine. I mean, our, we it was really sweet. Um, the one, the restaurant we went to was really great. And it's like all this stuff, what's cool about like where we're living is like all this stuff is like so, like the people who run it are there and it's like local and like we met the owner and like they know the other people we know. And so it's like this fun, like you feel like you're part of a community, which is cool. Oh, that's lovely. And then all the parents are, our moms, I will say, so our moms got us, Mal's mom got us a, a gift that's a picture of us from like after we got engaged, like where we were cleaned up and we were dressed up nice where we took those pictures. And it says, it's like a, a frame for the house that says just uh, all because two people fell in love, right? It's a picture of me oh. and Mal. But then at the same time, my mom brought a present for uh, Mal's parents that was a picture of me and Mal but from the time we actually got engaged, so we're in our like regular shirt and shorts holding the ring up. And it said something like family is found to be new, something like some other quote or whatever. So the moms <laughs> had the exact same thought. Wow. My mom would never do that. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine a world where my mom would buy a frame that said something on it. 
They both, they bought, but Mal's parents got it for me and Mal and my mom got one no, for Mal's parents. Yeah. I understand. But it's just so funny. Like we grew up, my mom's a professional photographer and we grew up with like two photos of us in the home and then just like <laughs> abstract black film. <laughs> like. That's really funny. Yeah. I mean, look, the frames are like, they're like, you know, from Target where it's like marriage is like um, Mal's sister. It's super cute, but Mal's sister got us a mug that's like marriage and then the definition of marriage. And it's like, you know, like people, there's a lot of wedding and marriage type merch that people are really (laughs) into getting you. Yeah, I'm hoping my next book will be included in that. Yeah, oh my God. I'm really writing it as merch. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I, because my brain is so warped by like us being podcasters and I'm like, you know, wedding merch. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal honesty. When, um, when is your book coming out? I think it's slated to come out in January 2024. Well, I'll already so. be ma- I I've already I'll already be married. Yeah, but it's also for it's also for married couples. There's a lot of oh, okay. the work the work doesn't end at I do, Gabby. If I'm learning anything. <laughs> I I open the book in January 2024. I go, "Oh my god, I have to get a divorce." I close it. <laughs> no, I um we interviewed my mom about prenups on Bad With Money. Oh, that's great. Yeah. She, because she's a divorce attorney, she's at, she was like a really good interview. Like she was like really smart and she had like all her facts and all her like knowledge and stuff. So you could almost kind of forget that she's a little cuckoo. <laughs> no, she's brilliant. My mom got interviewed. We got interviewed together for the podcast Terrible Thanks for Asking and mm. Ruth Raskin brought it. She is a star. She hates being interviewed and she hates speaking publicly. But oh, man, is she good at it? Right. It's yeah. lovely. We did. Yeah. If you want to go listen, we did an episode with Allison's mother a couple years ago or a year ago. So check out Ruth Raskin on our show. Just between he, us, which you're currently yeah. listening to. <laughs> <laughs> OK, we have got a great episode for everyone today. This week, we're going to be asking Danielle Byer Jackson some tough questions about friendship coaching. And later, we're going to be talking all about investigating a former head of state. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, we understand that it's confusing. (laughs) But first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Sophia Macau. There is some debate if it's Macau or Macaw, but we, after some research, we went with Macau. But if we were wrong, I'm really sorry. Dear Allison and Gabby, I'm Sophia from Macau. I'm staying and sleeping at my boyfriend's place for half of the week, but we have major differences in many of our sensory preferences. But the most troubling of all is the temperature. I hate hot environments as it makes me sweaty and irritated. However, he easily gets cold. When we sleep together, he has to curl up in a ball while I sleep in my puddle of sweat. It really affects our quality of sleep, although we are both compromising a little already. How do you manage sensory preference in a shared environment? Regards, Sophia. Oh, did John submit this question? 
Allison, do you remember when we would record JBU and you wanted it to be freezing? And I no, was I would so... want it to be hot. Oh, you want it to be hot. And I was right. so hot. Yeah. No, you, you would... people would like come into my place and be like, Allison, it's 78 degrees. And I'd be like, exactly. I was sweating. I mean, I had a, I was sweating. I would try to compromise with you. Like, can we take it down a couple notches? You like would, but you were also like deeply upset. Like we have very different temperature needs and it was like always a fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, I continue to have that with my partner and the nighttime is a struggle. Okay. Here's my question. Why don't you just get two separate blankets? Well, no, we do. (laughs) So I have, we have a, a cover sheet. So we have a top sheet. Don't come at me about that. I like having a top sheet and I don't want to get into an argument about it with people on the internet. Anyway, we have a top sheet. We have a thin blanket and we have a quilt shared. But anyway, uh-huh. you can decide between those three. You know, you don't need to have them all on. And then I have a separate heavy blanket that I had that after months of me saying I needed, he finally purchased for me. But I will admit that part of the problem that led him to taking so long to purchase me the blanket <laughs> was that I kept saying that I wanted a fox fur blanket. And this was very confusing to him because I'm a vegetarian that obviously does not wear fur. But I thought that the word F-A-U-X Honey! pronounced foe Honey! <laughs> pronounced fox. When did you learn that? When did you learn that? It was faux. When he figured out what the fuck I meant. So that, oh my God. Okay, I'm sorry. Back up. crying. <laughs> so you thought up until like this year, you thought it was fox fur? Yes. And I was like, I want a fox fur blanket. I want a fox fur blanket because I'm so cold in the night. Okay, now hear me out. When people, when you heard people say this is faux fur, what did you think that meant? A different, a different descriptor. I don't know. But you you know, I have problems with words. But you thought they were saying F-O fur and it was a different type of fur and then F-A-U-X fur. I just would say it, but I would also (laughs) describe to him that what I needed was a heavy blanket that wasn't a weighted blanket because I find weighted blankets to be way too heavy. But I needed something that had real substance to it at the same time, which I have found a faux fur blanket to provide. But I was describing it incorrectly, which is on me. And apparently he was like Googling fox fur blankets. (laughs) And then, oh, my God. But then if he this is like a sitcom, if he had shown up with a fox fur blanket, you would have been like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, you would have been like, you killed a fox. I would have been so upset. He was so confused. Oh, my God. So anyway, this is a pretty common issue. And um, something that we are navigating is like the problem is, is that the air is like right above the bed. And so if the air is on too high, even though I'm wearing socks, pants, a shirt, sweatshirt, three layers plus my blank, my special blanket, I I can't fall asleep if I'm too cold. So sometimes... We have to, I have to say, can you wait until I fall asleep? And then can you put the air on? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Mal told me that they have a whole second life while I'm asleep. 
like that. Like I, I guess I fall asleep first, and then Mal's like, they are like, oh, I'm doing like uh, other stuff while you're asleep. Yeah, John's always researching all this stuff that I don't know anything researching. about. Researching. Yeah. What is research. Mal researching? Uh, all sorts of things, probably. But this is a very real problem. And for years, my mom has iced out my dad. All the time, I'll scream to John, are you icing me out when he puts the air on when I don't So you don't know what words mean. Like, you don't know what words mean. I'm being iced out. I'm being iced out. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's being really, it's very cold and I feel icy. Mm, It's making me want to leave my own home. It's making you want to leave, yeah. Words can have multiple meanings. Okay, so here's the thing. Even if you're a couple, you don't, there's these like things that are supposed to be in a house are supposed to be romantic that like sometimes just are not. If you need two separate blankets, if you need to like, if you're someone who's like, I can't be touched in the night and I need to sleep in this certain way. Like it's not a personal affront to the other person. I, Mal likes very nice towels, but what I need to get out of the shower because I don't like, I don't like being wet is I need a big towel. I need the bit. I need like a massive beach towel towel for myself when I get out of the shower. I want the biggest. When you go to a hotel and it's a little itty bitty towel, I hate it. So I need to be engulfed by a towel the minute I get out of the shower. So we had these nice towels that Mal picked out and I like suffered. And then finally I like broke down and I was like, I just need just one large towel for me, just for me. And it's not going to match the rest of the bathroom. And it's not going to like, you know, match. It's not going to be aesthetically pleasing. But I I said, please, 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 can I have a big towel? And they were fine. They were like, okay. And now I just have my massive towel and I <laughs> and I feel good, you know, like it's it, that's compromise. Yeah. And it's like having different accommodations. So thinking about this like specific example, you know, like you can add more, whereas like you can take away when you're hot you know so like mm-hmm. I think maybe it is this compromise of like having to make the the air a little cooler but providing him with tons of extra blankets maybe he can sleep in a hat um a hat can keep you warm uh also like very thick socks and then another socks are would be, key I can't sleep without a sock on I have a socks sock on key. almost all all day long because I get too cold if I don't have a sock on um, and then another thing is, what if like you set up where you had a fan just blowing on you and yes. so it didn't blow on them, you know, like really get cre- Melissa, why are you so upset about that? What's wrong with a fan? Oh, her nose gets stuffy if a fan is blowing on her. OK, but we'll see. Maybe her boyfriend doesn't have a stuffy nose. With yeah, a fan. I don't know. Everyone has different, you know, really getting creative with the ways in which you're dealing with this instead of just like ignoring it, which I like is why you ask this question, because I think Mm -hmm. some people would just suffer. But like, like buy him like very heavy blankets. Maybe he needs a weighted blanket. Maybe he could handle a weighted blanket. Get him some fox fur. (laughs) (laughs) Allison, that's truly incredible. Just you in your house yelling, stop icing me out. I need fox fur. It's truly I can't it's like wonderful to picture it really is I feel like John is like needs needs to have like a group about talking what about what it's like to be with me yeah I think so too I think so too group why doesn't he just start his own TikTok where he's just documenting his life with you he said to me that watching me live my life is like performance art but it's just me existing. That's what you want to hear from your partner. <laughs> Although I will 
say sometimes with Mal, like I think that they're very funny. And I like try, you know, there was like a series I was doing on TikTok where Mal goes outside sometimes and just stands around looking at the yard and just stands looking at it. And I would like do this sort of nature documentary thing where I'd be like, there's Mal every day doing their thing where they stand outside and stare at the lawn. What are they thinking about? We don't know. Well, living with somebody, you're really getting to see all of them and all of their habits. And he mm-hmm. walks around practicing his tennis swing. So <laughs> I think that we equally have things we need to support. Group I opened for. the door. I opened the door yesterday. Mal was outside in their underwear spraying. I said, what are you doing? They said spraying for bugs fully in nothing else. Just underwear. Why? Can anyone see your house? From yes. The road. Plenty of people. And I don't need the cops. I don't need the cops calling saying we saw a a transgender outside nude spraying for bugs. They're not going to think they're spraying for bugs. They think they're going to be spraying to turn more people transgender. Exactly. We don't need that. We're in the we're in the woods. They're like, what's that special spray? (laughs) Mosquito Delito. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what it's called. Anyway. So I guess we're just normalizing that this is a very common issue between couples and uh, (laughs) trying to really not feel stuck in it. But, you know, find maybe it even is involved in like going to sleep at different times sometimes. Um, Yeah. Some couples have to sleep in different rooms. Oh, my dream. (laughs) I know it is. And Melissa's. (laughs) Hopefully this somehow helped. I'm I don't think it did, but if you want to submit your international question, you can send it to just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Danielle Byer Jackson. Stay tuned. Just between us, it's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Danielle Byer Jackson, a friendship coach who focuses primarily on female friendship and communication. Out of her love for all things female friendship, she founded Friend Forward, a digital community that provides coaching, workshops, articles, and connection events for women looking to create and maintain true friendships. And then you also have a book out, right? It's it'll be out in 2024. Yes. Oh, what's that going to be called? <laughs> so it's it's called Fighting for Our Friendships, and hopefully it's a it's a roadmap to helping us get it together, essentially. As we briefly said before we hopped onto the recording part, uh, Gabby and I definitely needed you eight years ago, seven years ago, six (laughs) years ago. (laughs) For our annual blowout. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's hard out here. There's so and, you know, there's 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 so many resources for like trying to figure out your romantic breakup. But um, I think the landscape or the extent of like the dialogue around friendship is you either have friends or you don't. And if you don't, what's wrong with you? So there's almost like the sense of maybe shame for not knowing what to do whenever you do have an issue. And like the shame of like, oh, my friendship didn't last forever. What's wrong with me? Like, exactly. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think all friendship should go the distance or is it kind of more normal to have some friends for a a bit and moving into other friendships? 
Yeah. So I am always advocating for reconciliation because there's so much research that shows that especially with women, our friendships tend to be a little more um, fragile because we have a smaller tolerance for perceived violations. It's hard to like get beyond them because we tend to be really close. Um, But at the end of the day, yeah, try as you might. Sometimes it's just not meant to carry with you into that second season. And so trying to figure out how to release it with grace is, you know, really important. And what made you go into this line of of work? So, you know, it's funny because sometimes when I do these interviews, I think a lot of people are are ready for me to give this story about like, well, I just love female friendship and I want to show other women how to. And you know what? I had to get comfortable recently with telling like my real story, which is, you know, I wasn't a really great friend and I've done a lot of really crappy things. And I know firsthand what it's like to not have healthy friendships and what those consequences look like. So what does it look like to get into something healthy, bring the best version of yourself to show up when it's uncomfortable, to reconcile, you know, in spite of your pride? And so I was actually a high school English teacher for six years, and I saw a lot of the drama with the students. And then I left the classroom and got into public relations. And I'm like, huh, leaving that drama behind those, those foolish teenagers. But, you know, little did I know, you know, I'm working with these high achieving women and they're expressing their issues as well. And so I came home one night and I was just curious. I got on Amazon and I was I was looking up friendship books. And at the time, there wasn't much. And of the few results that came up, they were for children. And I thought, this is what we think about friendship. Surely a child would need support. But if you're an adult, like why would you need help? And so it's been four years of, of operating in this space as a friendship coach. And it's a blessing to have people trust me with what is a very like personal, tender thing. Yeah. I mean, what does it mean to be a friendship coach? Like, what do you do? I I try. I'm trying to imagine like, you know, that both parties need to be willing to go. Like, what, what does it look like your job? So most times I'm working with one person and they'll come with me with issues from, you know, I'm trying to make friends, which is hands down, like the number one issue, as you can imagine. Um, but it typically comes with some kind of qualifier. So how do I make friends as a new mom? How do I make friends as a socially anxious person? How do I make friends, Um, which I hope shows us that we will always be having to make new friends. A lot of people come to me because they're trying to work through a really hard conversation. It's funny, but like they'll even bring their phone and say, okay, let me read you what she said to me and you tell me if she's great. (laughs) So that's a big one. And we just like work through it. What are our options? How can we respond here? And then, you know, finally common issues like, I feel like I'm always initiating in my friendships or I feel unworthy to pursue friendships. And so, you know, if you can get support, you know, from a business coach for your business or from a counselor for your marriage, why not support for what I'd argue is one of the most important relationships you'll ever have. And what kind of work did you do to feel like qualified to to move into coaching? Because I imagine there's not like friendship coaching workshops or whatever. I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Like, so I went to Friendship University. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, so, so, you know, I already had my background in education and then I was like, well, let me get certified to coach and you can go with a myriad of programs. But on my own, I spend hours a week studying research regarding women's communication, um, female cooperation, female conflict. I interview the researchers who are going out there and doing these studies. And so like from my personal obsession, I just kind of like really get into this work so that whenever I'm providing strategies to other people, it's never rooted in 
Danielle's opinion on what you should do, I can always say, ooh, okay, I can validate you and say, yes, 50% of women feel the same way, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm obsessed with making sure that the commentary I give is rooted in evidence-based things. What have been some takeaways from your research that surprised you, if anything? Yes. Okay. So first of all, it turns out that one of the, like the single biggest factor that determines our overall well-being and life satisfaction is not our income status, is not our marital status, is not even exercise. It's quality relationships. Mm -hmm. And there's all this research on, you know, if you eat well, you'll increase your, you know, longevity by this percentage. And if you exercise this percentage, but connections keep coming out on top, having quality relationships with other people. And I just, it keeps blowing my mind because when I look at that and then I look at what our culture tends to emphasize and celebrate, they don't match. And so that's just still like astounding to me. And they say that, you know, loneliness is as detrimental to you physically as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I mean, there's all this research about how powerful and necessary friendships are. And so, you know, I just think that helps to kind of keep perspective on how important it is to be intentional about this instead of putting it in the margins of our lives. Because it takes a lot of work, you know, especially as adults with like full careers, a lot of times partnerships, it can be like the friend part is like, oh, do I even have the mental energy to do this? I know I have I have felt that way. But then because of like kind of knowing that I'm like, I must force myself. (laughs) And sometimes it is kind of forcing yourself to like maintain these friendships. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should like go with that. You know, that that sense of, I guess I ought to do something. Let me text them back is a, is a good thing. There's a study where they asked a bunch of participants, do you believe that, you know, having friendships should be easy, natural and organic? Or do you think that it, you know, should require effort and work? And they followed the participants over a span of five years. The ones who said that they believe it should be easy were reporting greater feelings of loneliness than the ones who said, I expect it to, to require work. So if yeah. you're feeling like, man, this is this, I've got to do all this effort and schedule hangouts and I got to remember to do this, go with that because apparently that's exactly what you need to, to keep that connection. Honestly, I see it as like, it's reciprocity. So maybe I have a partner right now and I don't feel the need to check in or reach out or whatever, but I do it and I maintain the friendships because who knows? Like, what if, you know, something happens and then it's I like, you know, those people that they break up and then all of a sudden they want to be friends with you again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that kind of thing where you're like, you know, who knows, like where you'll be at or what you'll need, like maintaining these friendships is like very healthy because you might think, you know, oh, I don't need this or something or let it go by the wayside. And then something will happen and you don't have anyone. Yes. Okay. First of all, preach. Yes. (laughs) And there are several people who come to me because of that. I'm like, okay, you know, what brought you here today? What's going on? Well, I broke up with my partner and uh, I neglected my friends for Mm -hmm. three years. You know, it's, it's, it's really hard. You get obsessed. And there's research that even supports that people who are partnered who have friends have more successful relationships because, and I learned a lot of this from my colleague, Dr. Franco, but friendships are stabilizing. So if you're having an issue in your romantic partnership, if you have other outlets, outlets and resources, yeah. you know, then you come back like more level-headed, you have perspective as opposed to this being the only, you know, primary relationship in your life. And you know, friendships at the root of hopefully healthy romantic relationships. So getting your friendships right is is important in in the span of like all your relationships. I can feel yeah. myself getting like weirdly emotional because when my fiance left me, my friends saved me. 
like I, <laughs> I like, and, yeah. it, and it was so, and I've like kind of written and talked about this, but like at the time, like I was feeling like my friends didn't really care about me. Like it was a pandemic. Like I've, I've often felt like I'm, I'm the one who puts in more effort in a lot of my friendships. And, and I had like this feeling of like, oh, my friends don't care. But when he left, oh my God, my friend showed up for me in this way that like, it's so weird. I'm, I'm also maybe in a slight depressive episode, so I'm easier to cry. But uh, like, it was like this real testament where like, if I hadn't put in that work during the course of that relationship to maintain those friendships, like that blow would have been like way worse because mm-hmm. there would have been, and I mean, they're like hysterical looking back now because it was like midst of the pandemic. So I'm hysterically sobbing, but my friends can't touch me. Do you know? <laughs> like, mm. That's really, yeah. like, that's really being in like the parking garage of my old apartment, like sobbing. And my, one of my best friends just like standing there being like, I, I'm here. I can't hold you, but I'm here. <laughs> just kind of yeah. like the air, just like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love that you have this lived experience that's a testament to what the research says. Like, yes, my friends carried me through. So that's really beautiful. You know, I've heard that doing favors for people or asking someone to do help you with something brings you closer. Like that's something that creates intimacy. And it's so hard for people to ask their friends for help. Like we're relying on, you know, I've had experiences where my sister lives in Los Angeles as well. And that's a person who I'm like, just go pick up my car. Like, stop it. You're being whatever. Take advantage, you know, whereas like then if she can't do it and my partner and I are somewhere else and I have to go get my car from uh, uh, getting, um, you know, maintenance done on it. I have to get comfortable being like this person is my friend. If I ask them to go pick up my car, they're not going to hate me. And then people are happy to do things for you. And just the way that you would be happy to do something for them. And it creates this like cycle where now you are closer than you were before. Like I've had experiences where I'm like, okay, no one's around to talk. I don't know. People aren't responding. Maybe this person could actually give me some advice. And I reach out and then that person and I are closer because I took the vulnerable step of being like, do you, can you, do you have a second, you know? And it creates like, I think there's this like vulnerable thing of, of like being scared to ask for things where people would, would be happy to do it. A hundred percent. Yeah. I I asked a bunch of people, I kind of surveyed them and I said, you know, which of the three statements is harder for you to say, I love you, I'm sorry, or I need help? Oh, it's the third one. And I need help. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And a lot of times we we keep our needs to ourselves for noble reasons. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to bother her. I don't want to be a burden. But we don't realize that, like you said, that reciprocity it feels good to give support. Like, let me know that there's an opportunity to show up for you. For you, I, I want to do that. But for some reason, we feel like we're being strong by, you know, not inconveniencing our friends. So you're right. It's weird. It's kind of like weird intellectually to put those two things together. But I think the more we let ourselves get the help we need, like you said, oh my gosh, it does a lot for creating platonic intimacy. Do you think you should be like, hey, if, you, if they're not going to ask or something, do you think you should be like, Hey, if you're ever out of town, I'll watch your dog, like apropos of nothing, (laughs) just to try to, you know what I mean? Sure. I think whatever works. I think sometimes, I mean, depending on the friend, sometimes you could bang on the door and say, yeah, okay, I know you're leaving like an hour, so I'm here to help with the dog. You know, some friends we've got to like force them to kind of, you know, let them know I'm here and you can trust that I'm here. You could trust that I won't think less of you. I won't think you're weak or weird, um, but I need a chance to show up for you as my friend. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because I kind of gets into something we've tried to address in the show. And I think Gabby and I both struggled with the right answer is like when you're when your friend isn't letting you help them, like, you know, they're they're going through a hard time and you want to be there for them, but they really aren't like giving you that avenue. And, you know, mm-hmm. I have a friend who, you know, whose mom is really sick and has been for a while. And I I've wanted to be there for her more than I've been able to. But I also want to like respect her boundaries. And so how do you kind of like navigate that? You know, sometimes it's hard to like have the right answer. But what I have found to be most helpful is to telegraph your dilemma. So a lot of times we're like, I don't know if I should do option A or option B. Should I help? Should I push? Should I stay back? And sometimes saying to my friend, you know, I don't know if I should do option A or option B. So sometimes letting them know, you know what, I'm torn because I want to respect your boundaries. But at the same time, like, man, I really want to show up for you because I know what it feels like to be out there on your own. So you let me know what I can do. But I want you to know that I'm, I'm sitting here looking for ways that I can show up for you. So help me out, you know, or even framing it as help you help me. You know, do you want to just do a Netflix marathon and we don't talk about the issue at all? Do you want a, you know to be distracted? So sometimes letting our friends know, man, I'm torn because I really want to do this shows them that it's not just empty words when we say, let me know if I can help, which too many of us do. Yeah. I also have a thing of now as I'm getting older, appreciating the people who continuously show up instead of reaching out to the people who don't. So like when it was my this is like so whatever, but like when it was my birthday, I did a test of like, okay, who is going to text me on my birthday? And those are my real friends. (laughs) What? Melissa is shaking her head at you for this test of friendship. (laughs) No, it wasn't a test. It was just like, who is it going to be? And I will say that the people that texted me are the people that like me more than I like them. But you know what? Then Mm. I, this was two years ago. Then I changed my mind and I said, no, I'm wrong. Those are the people that like I, why I need to be, you know what I mean? So I completely changed my mindset and I was like, I'm focused on those people now. Those are my friends. And like started being more reciprocity to those people because I was like, why am I hurting myself with these friends who don't give a shit about me? And like, you know, okay, maybe I'm actually my partner was saying like for someone so self-assured in dating, I'm so insecure with friendships where like Mm. if my if like someone hasn't written me back in two days, I'm like, well, I guess we're dead to each other. Like, I'm very, like, so like I have like, you know, this this sort of it wasn't a friendship test. It was just a hypothesis where I thought the people that texted me would be the people that I don't give as much to. And I decided if they if that's who wrote to me, I would then dedicate the next two years to giving them more. And I was right. Okay, so first of all, I am not surprised to hear about your your you didn't. okay, your scientific approach to figuring out (laughs) with your hypothesis. Okay, but you I, I man, if I had a dollar for every time someone said something to me about like, so it was my birthday last weekend and I realized like things surrounding our birthday, I'd be, you know, doing this interview with you from Bora Bora. Okay. There are so many people who are inspired by what did or did not happen on their birthday. And I think mm-hmm. there's something psychological there about how much weight we put on the birthday, what it represents. So who shows up? And I hate to say this because I want to look like I'm perfect to you. But I mean, recently a good friend of mine, I forgot, I forgot her birthday it mm. came and went and the next day I was like holy crap was 
yesterday was Jamie's birthday. Oh my gosh. Now she's a friend who's so like, she's not announcing it. She's not one of these people who's on Instagram. Like it's my birthday month. Here's the itinerary. Like she's, it's quiet. And so I forgot. And I just, you know, then I went back to trying to, how do I recover? Oh, I'm taking you out for drinks and let's do, but fortunately. That I like, that I like. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to show like, this is so not okay. We are going out. I'm horrible. Let's do this. So that she can see my heart and and charge that to my head and not my heart, you know? And so, but that, but that matters though. So we, we have to weigh the evidence that the friends have given us prior to that day. Are they normally there for me and showing up? And today is so out of character and I can give them the benefit of the doubt. Or are these people who are like constantly sleeping on me, you know, and today just like was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Well, I guess I think I've been navigating is also like different levels of friendship. Whereas I used to think like, if someone was my friend, then I knew everything about them. They knew everything about me. We were like so close and that's what a friend is. But do you feel like there are different kind of like levels and intensities in friendships and that's like, okay. And there's value in that. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and I will say this, I, I know I keep saying like, you know, women's friendship, female friendship. And I like to clarify because the research that I use, the participants identified in that way. And I say that to say women tend to have a tendency of considering closeness based on self-disclosure. So we do say like, gosh, whoever knows the most about me, that's my friend. But men have a tendency to call anybody they've known for 20 years their friend, even if they haven't spoken to to them in three years. But a woman is not likely to be like, we haven't spoken in three years, but that's my girl. Like we don't do that. So we tend to negotiate closeness through exactly what you just said. Who knows the most about me? Who's the closest to me at this time? I see that come to the head, uh, come to a head a lot when it comes time to uh, select your bridal party. That's a whole thing. Cause I'm thinking we're close, but you didn't make me maid of honor. It's a whole thing. And so like, yeah, you get to set the criteria of what dictates. Okay. These are my close friends. And this is my second level. I know that if you Google like friend types or like friend levels. There's like a billion articles. I'm like, here's how to determine your, you know, and people like clear cut answers. But the answer I generally give to that is, yes, it's okay to have a set of friends who you see as closer than your tier two friends or whatever. But research shows that they're both important. So there's this um, idea, this concept known as Dunbar's number. The idea is that your brain can only handle 150 connections. Okay. Now I know your follower count might have you think otherwise because you're like, I have 20,000 followers. What are you talking about? But our brain hasn't really evolved since, you know, what it was, 150 connections. So if you think of that as like this huge big circle and then like these smaller... I guess, concentric circles inside uh-huh. of it, the smallest circle can contain three to five. You only have room for three to five super close relationships, which kind of makes sense because of like what's required emotionally. You're trying to give to each other. It, it demands a lot, right? And then out of that, you've got like 10 to 15. So these are people who maybe aren't my super close, but like, yeah, they know about me and I enjoy hanging out with them and we see each other. We kind of refer to those as your weak ties. And research shows that you need them too because you're more likely to get a job from somebody who was in your weak tie. It brings a boost to your mood to talk to somebody in your weak tie because they exist in circles that are outside of your network. So you benefit, I guess, from them, not to make it sound transactional. So we need all of that. We need our close friends. We need our tier two friends. They're all important. Uh, But if you're trying to be besties with like a squad of 15, 20 people. That's just not, that's just not happening. Tell that to sororities. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do. I do. I keynote speak <laughs> at a lot of sororities and I'm like, this is really beautiful to see all of you beautiful ladies here. Um, so you can't all be best friends. That's not possible. Let's talk about it. And it's kind of <laughs> like, ooh, this is not the content we approved before the presentation. <laughs> wow. First of all, wow. I, I, it's really gender affirming to hear that I identify friendships like men do. Uh, mm-hmm. But... <laughs> I mean, my, people get so mad because I'll be like, that's my friend or like, that's my whatever. And they'll be like, when's the last time you talked to them? And I'm like, five years ago. But I knew them when I was 12. So they're my friend, which has burned me in the past, actually. Uh, but I'm wondering, and this is not gendered in any way, because I think men do this, too, is how important is it for the group of friends that like you can talk about each other? Do you know what I mean? Like to have like five or six friends so that you can go, guess what's up with this person? You know what I mean? Like how important is that sort of inter? It is. Allison, you don't think it's important to be like to to talk about like, oh, well, this person has this going on or whatever with the uh, with someone else in the group. Uh, I mean, what's your intention there? You know, I, you know, a lot of times like, oh, what do you think's going on with this person and their partner or whatever? I'm also somebody where my friends know each other because I tend to like host parties and, and get togethers, but very few of my friends have like relationships with each other outside of me. So I don't really have like a friend group in that traditional sense. Oh. And so for me, if I need to like process what's going on with a friend, I'm much more likely to like talk to my partner about it to be like, I'm worried about so-and-so or like, what are your thoughts on so-and-so versus like another. Oh, see, I have a group. There's like I a queer a group. group of us. And like, we'll be like, oh, did you hear X, Y, and Z? Did so, not like, did you hear? More like, did this person tell you what's going on with their partner? What What do you think? Is there something we should do? Like, and that's kind of like an important, you know, like all of us, there's like a group chat, you know what I mean? Everybody's kind of, how important is that? <laughs> how important you're, is you're gossiping like behind like, no, your friend's just, back? Just it's not no. gossiping. It's, it's not, not gossiping. Oh. It's okay, not okay. gossiping. So let me break this down, okay? And you tell me what you think. Yeah. So this is kind of aligning a little bit because women tend to be more dyadic, a tendency toward being dyadic. So meaning just like one-to-one friendships. And exactly what you just said, our groups tend to splinter off. So a lot of us, our friends aren't friends with each other. For the most part, it's like you and me, you know? But Men have a tendency to have a group. I don't know why I'm laughing because I'm like, oh my God. But men have a tendency to have, you know, a, a larger group. The boys. And so I mean, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> literally all went out and we were like, what's well, a bunch of trans masks? And we were like, boys night, boys night. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And again, I always say tendency because I know that there might be a woman listening who's like, yeah, I have a yeah, quad. Yeah. Like, okay, yes, okay. We're just, I'm just talking about, I am generalizing. Yes, tendency research is generalized, you know? But, so let's talk about the gossip thing, okay? Because I think I, I've changed my mind on this because of research. It changed me. I, I'm a changed woman. So gossip, a lot of times we do think of as negative and as like um, the motivation is something like sinister, right? And like we're being like stealthy and, and creepy about it. But, you know, it could just refer to I'm talking talking about another person and they're physically not here. So the real question becomes, am I talking about or talking against is the question when we're talking. Because it can be helpful if I'm having drama with person A to go to person B and be like, okay, what? Is it just me? Is she great? What's going on? Do you know what's going on with her? You know, but it's because I'm trying to get information to help me understand how to re-enter 
this situation. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the person I brought in, their goal is to mediate and not hype me up in another way. Like, wait, what? She did that to you? If I were you, I wouldn't talk to her. You know what I mean? So like, hopefully I'm choosing the people who can affirm me. They do want us to reconcile. But if anything, I think it's maybe mostly like a sociological thing. Like we talk about other humans and their life development and what's going on. So I think it depends on the objective. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. We actually have lost Gabby to some internet problems, but um, I'm going to finish the rest of the interview because I could talk about this for for days on on end. Um, <laughs> so something I, I would love to to ask about is like when there is conflict in a friendship, because you know I think there is this sense when there's conflict in a romantic relationship, it, it's really important to you know directly address it but i've often felt with friendships i'm like well i'll just ignore this thing cuz why not it seems easier so what is sort of your advice on when you should actually bring something up to a friend yeah to your point it's harder to tell because i feel like when we're leading up to our romantic relationship we see so much messaging around like okay we can work this out let's talk it through and overcome you know but for at least from what i see culturally a lot of the messaging around friendship conflicts is that it's an indicator that then she must not be the friend for you time to get a new friend you know like there's just like they're disposable um or if you're having issues it's a it's a sign something's wrong as opposed to the same attitude oh it's something we can work through and get over it you know and it's interesting to hear you say that your tendency might be to say like oh i'll just kind of ignore this and it'll go away because others are like oh well then we have this issue so i'm going to cut her off and so i guess i wonder if that's where like attachment styles i'm always i'm always curious about that you know in terms of how we approach conflict but you know, whenever you ignore, it doesn't go away because that discomfort is going to manifest itself somehow in your body, in your relationships with other people. You know, now your 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 partner has to hear you fuss about it all day. So it's coming out some way. Uh, maybe you're being passive aggressive to your friend a little bit or sarcastic because you kind of want to put it out there, but not totally. <laughs> so it's coming out some way, you might as well figure it out um, and how to bring it up. And I think the first thing starts with kind of reframing how you see conflict. If you see it as something's wrong with you, or if you're scared that bringing it up means she's going to abandon you, like, what's that about? You know, I'm sure some of it is is shaped by how conflict was addressed in your home. Was it a bad thing? Did you guys talk about your issues? And I always like to say, especially if it's the first time, that it can be playful when you bring it up so it's not so intense. So let's say you have a friend who's, you know, always blowing up your phone, okay? And you're trying to work and do things, but she texts like all the time, you know? We might want to just sit on that and say like, okay, well, I'm just going to ignore her or I'm going to pretend I didn't get it or, you know, while we're fuming. So maybe something playful like the next time we talk saying like, okay, oh, and by the way, I know sometimes it takes me a while to get back to your text, but girl, I mean, you can't blow up my phone like that. Or sometimes I just get like in the zone with work and I can't respond to like six o'clock. So just moving forward, I'm going to get to you like at six o'clock because I can't keep up. I cannot keep up, you know? <laughs> so it's like, how can I playfully still communicate the thing so it's not so heavy? But she also has the data that she needs to, to love me well. Like, how do I communicate this so she can love me well? Because as my friend, of course, she wants to know what the guidelines and the boundaries are, you know? And I also wonder sometimes the issue is like not even what's going on between you and the friend, but like the way the friend is living the rest of their life. And then 
like your opinions on that. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. having a friend who maybe like the they come to you for advice, you give it, they then never listen and then they keep mm-hmm. coming back to you for advice on the same thing, but they like, you know, how do you navigate that? <laughs> Cuz then you're just you're frustrated at like how they're living outside of the friendship versus within the friendship. Right, which is so hard because you want to be like, um, stop talking to me if you're not going to listen to my sage advice. (laughs) Um, Yes, that is so frustrating. So again, it goes back to, I like to to almost put it back on them. So let's say it's like the hundredth time she's talked to me about quitting her job or dating a guy that I think is horrible anyway. So I'm not going to counsel you through this. You know, sometimes I like to say exactly what we kind of mentioned before, the same approach. Well, I got to tell you, I don't know what to say here because you keep bringing it to me. And I'm not necessarily a fan of him, but at the same time, I want to support you. So at this point, I I really, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say here, but I want to show up for you. You know, sometimes putting it on them to help them see how hard it is for me to come up with the right answer, especially if it's not authentic to how I really feel. So it's hard to push her toward reconciling with the guy I think is a jerk, but I also want her to be happy. What do you want me to do here? And sometimes they already know. I found that it's helpful in guiding them toward maybe being a little more decisive or at least being a little more discerning and what they expect out of us when they put us in that kind of situation. Yeah, because I've definitely been in situations where I can tell that my friend like wants my approval on something I don't approve of. <laughs> and so like, right. how do you navigate that? Yeah, it's hard. And you also want to be authentic. We No one wants to do that. Well, you're my friend, so I'm going to pretend that, you know, so to say something like, you know, to the effect of, let's say she wants to get a tattoo of this dude's name on her face. And you're like, oof, you know, <laughs> what do I say here? So to say, okay, so I'm not necessarily a fan of a face tat, I gotta say, but if you're going to do it, I think these tattoo shops, they, they're doing the best on Yelp. So that at least makes me feel better. Like, how do I support an aspect of what it is you're doing that I can't support without being inauthentic to myself by putting a stamp of approval on the whole thing? And hopefully you have friends who like at least respect the honesty, you know? Yeah, I've I've tried to like frame it like, well, we just like approach life differently or this is the way that I am. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's so it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, I like to say extract the the piece of the situation that you can get behind. So let's say that and I know I keep talking about partners, but that's like a big one. Let's say she's saying that this guy's going to take her out on vacation next weekend and you think he's horrible. You want to say, oh, that broke bum can take you on a trip. That's amazing. I didn't know that. But instead, I'll say. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I hope you have fun because you have had a really rough month at work. You deserve this. Take pictures because I'm not going to lie and say that's really beautiful for you too. So like extract the one part you can support and hype that up. And then, you know, there you go. Right. (laughs) And I'm very similar to Gabby in that I'm incredibly insecure in my friendships and I've had a lot of friendship trauma and it is really hard for me to feel safe in friendships, even friendships that at this point are, you know, decades long, not decades, but a decade, you know, long. How, how do I work through that? Like, you know, like, it's a big question. But like, is there just something about like, well, this is always going to be a trigger for me. This is always going to be a, a tough part of my life. But like pushing through that, because like we talked about the importance of friendship outweighs the discomfort. Or is there like, have you seen people be able to get to a place where like, even if they've had a lot of friendship trauma, they can, they can get to a place of like actually feeling safe in friendship. Yeah. You know, sometimes it sounds strange, but like even using our friends to support us in things that 
are taking place in the friendship itself. So again, I always say like, I'm not a therapist, I'm a coach. So I like to, you know, so I focus on where are we now? Where are we trying to go? So where I'm trying to go is to try to feel safer and get the support that I need. A couple things. One is try to remind yourself of the evidence that you have that these people do care about you and that it is secure. When your mind gets to ruminating about like, oh gosh, they're probably bored of me or they're probably going to get upset at me or they're probably going to wait a second, what evidence do I have that that's that's not the case and that they want to show up? That way you can kind of like have it grounded in like these these solid facts. The second thing is sometimes using our friends to help us through. So let's say they take forever to text back. And so now we're thinking, oh my gosh, what's the matter or what's going to happen? It's to let them know like, oh gosh, I got nervous for a second. I have no idea why sometimes I, I freak out when I don't hear from you, but I'm trying to work through that, you know? So sometimes like as a friend, let me know what the pain points are. So I know that this is an area where you need reassurance and hopefully I don't mind as a friend. So if I know like, oh, she kind of freaks out when I when I take six days to respond or whatever it is, then that's a friend that I'm going to step it up with like intentionally, just because I know it just adds a little bit of calm for her, especially if it's not something that's like huge, like requiring me to like bend and contort in all these ways, then of course I can do that to reassure you. So those those kinds of things are helpful when we're scared that a friend will be mad or that the the friendship will collapse under the weight of like our internal, you know, fears is to look at the evidence you have and bring your friends in and give them a chance to give you like the affirmation you need to be okay. Yeah, I love that. It's still hard. <laughs> um, You're like, I hear you, but I'm I dying. And logically, <laughs> emotionally difficult. Um, <laughs> well, this has been so helpful to me. Um, I think so many of us struggle with our friendships. I know Gabby and I have struggled with ours. And so even though I can't ask you a billion questions, I can ask you to play hypotheticals now that Gabby is back online with us. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> My internet shut off just long enough for me to come back for hypotheticals. <laughs> because the world knows, the universe knows that that's something you can't miss. <laughs> can't miss it. So hypotheticals is a game where you and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have. And then um, you tell me what you would do in that situation. And then I get to pick a winner or say you're both wrong or just move on. Wow. It's like you're a coach. You're our coach. Yeah. I'm coaching you through how you should handle these situations. <laughs> I love it. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so our first scenario is called, would you stay with this cheater? Your partner of six months is still heartbroken over losing their dog in their last breakup. Aww. This leads them to going over to their ex's house and initiating a late night half-hearted hookup so they can sleep in the bed with their beloved dog one more time. They spoon the dog all night and mostly ignore the ex. Would you forgive this cheater? I love my dog so much. Right? Ooh, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, clarifying question. Yes. Was the extent of the activity spooning in bed with the dog? No, there was some mild hooking up. That's so tough. Passionless hooking up. Passionless. Okay, mm. I'm imagining a situation where, because I kept the dog with my ex, and I'm imagining a horrible situation where he pretends to be into me again so he can see beans and I would have, I would have been my last straw. Do you know what I mean? That would have been my last straw. So I feel like it's mean to the ex and I'm going to say, no, I will not stay with this cheater. Yeah. 
I would not stay. And so I'd say, I hope you got your dog back because that's the only thing that's going to be keeping you warm at night. And I would exit stage left. (laughs) Yeah, that's called self-respect. That's called having an exit line. That's called, are you, are you a fan of the Real Housewives? I feel like you throw a glass of wine in his face and peace out. Flip a little table. Flip yeah, a table. Yeah, yeah why no, not? You really, to add to that, you then adopt a dog that looks just like that dog that <gasps> day. And then you go, you're losing both of us. And then, and then you go off and have a beautiful life with this dog. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like that is the scenario I would most understand around cheating. Right. You'd be like, well, you wanted to see the dog. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, but I, okay, I was at a gay club and the ex approached me and I was like not in a place to chat and I was like gonna cry. And and he kept being like, oh, well, you know, how's beans or whatever. And I was like, and that made it worse. I was like, don't ask about the dog. Yeah. Don't ask about the dog. I was going to say I understood child custody agreements because I was like, you are not going to see this dog. Do not. You're going to what? Come back into his life and get his hopes up? Absolutely not. <laughs> that makes sense. Promise it a trip to Disney and then not fulfill your. Pro- I don't think so. We had to change school so. districts because of you. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. OK, so we're yeah. all on the same page. Really can't do that. <laughs> OK, our next scenario. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, 18, doesn't know what they want to major in, and it is eating them up inside. So you put a variety of different majors in a hat and make them pick one. They randomly select graphic design and go on to have a middling career as a graphic designer. They don't hate it, but they don't love it. Are you a terrible parent? Um, I'm going to go with not a terrible parent just a not very creative parent if that was the way that I encouraged you to figure out your major okay here's what I thought this was gonna be I thought that they were gonna select doctor and then Mm. when later you would reveal that every piece of paper said doctor (laughs) that was what I that is what I would do (laughs) which is what I would do 50 pieces of paper they all say doctor I'm Jewish. I don't have time. I don't have time for this. (laughs) That's good. Ooh, that's good. What would be the more creative approach? Oh, I guess maybe doing a a survey on your Instagram stories so your followers can just like vote. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I love well, okay, that, because at that, least, that is at least... still so bonkers, but like, yes, it is more creative. <laughs> at least much. those people know a little about you and they'll like, you know, put something that they you might actually like. Your parent, you're a parent. You just put random jobs. You didn't even try to think like, well, when they were six, they wanted to be a vet. Let's put vet in there. Like you didn't even think about them as a as an individual human. Well, you put in some really popular majors that that are that are that have a good program at their chosen school. And then just for spice, like sword sword swallower and like just like for for spice, dolphin trainer, whatever it is, just some some random stuff. I do feel like I missed a calling as a dolphin trainer. Hmm. They, They are very communicative. I here's the thing working in in a water-based field you would just have wrinkly fingers all the time I don't know not for me all right that 
<laughs> Although I took surfing lessons from this guy who's beautiful. And he, his whole job is he just travels around the world teaching surfing in different places. And he just gets to go to like beautiful locations, teach surfing for a few months, and then go to another beautiful location. And I was like, I've screwed up. Like this, I, why am I trying to do entertainment? I should have just been this guy. Well, but then you'd have pruny fingers. So that's a real. And I can't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Our final game. Would you forgive this liar? (laughs) Allison, sometimes she laughs at her own ones and I'm like, what is about to happen? You decide to go home to visit your parents for the first time in a year. You ask your mom if she is free to pick you up from the airport or if she has plans, because if she's busy, you can just take a cab. She says she is free and she will pick you up. A few days later, you bump into one of her friends who is upset that your mom missed a local award ceremony for her charity work in order to pick you up from the airport. <gasps> Would you forgive this liar? Is this this is like a Ruth Raskin. <laughs> This is not a Karen Grainer done, let me tell you. This is a real Ruth Rask. This is Allison's mom energy and like not mine at all. What do we think? That's so sad. I forgive her. Sad. Forgive. I'd be like, mom, have some some self some self-esteem, some (laughs) self-confidence. Well, no, it's not really that so much as like having like um differentiation. Martyr complex. Or like the ability to put her own needs first. Oh, my God. I take her to a friendship coach. I take her to a friendship coach. I say, we got to work on communication. <laughs> Mother and, and child is uh, is friendship, if you think about it. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for the plug. I don't know. My dad's in therapy with his son. So what are you going to do? There's therapy for everybody. Not me, though. I'm perfect. Would you be? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm in my own therapy, but I'm not in fam. I'm not in family. I'm not in the family therapy. I don't have to go because I'm good. Is that why? (laughs) No, it's because I'm not fucking going to that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But spin it how you want. Spin it how you want. Yeah, I'm the perfect. I'm the perfect child. And so I don't have to go. I would feel so bad. I would feel so bad. I feel so bad. Poor mom. Danielle, would you like try to use your your insights to explain like why that was not the right decision? You know, as a mom, it's tough because for her, is this the right decision? Like her love just like, you know, extends mm-hmm. beyond like, mm-hmm. it, does this fulfill her more? You know, I don't know. Oh my God, know. That's so sad. Is it sad or it might be beautiful? I don't know. Well, you've learned quite a bit about me and Gabby through this process. We have learned even more valuable things from you. So thank you so much for coming. And where can people follow all the amazing work that you're doing? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Friend Forward. That's all the good stuff. And I also have a weekly podcast called Cute. Friend Forward. Cute. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about investigating a former head of state. Ooh, drama. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topics. X, 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 baby. 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 Someone wrote that Melissa doing the third baby is like the M. Night Shyamalan twist. 
Like someone commented and was like, they're never sure if it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. I think that's what they meant. I think so, because... Or maybe they didn't know who was doing it. But we announce it when I do it. I know. But I think because they did, they commented on it on the episode that Mal was on and I wasn't on it. Right. So that might be... Because Mal did it in lieu of Melissa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because Melissa was on the beach that makes you old. Okay. Very good. <laughs> Do you remember M. that? Night Shyamalan humor. <laughs> Hilaire. Also, I love that now that we do the full episodes on YouTube, Melissa is now forced to join us for every single topic. Am I? I could sit out. No. I could sit out. Oh, man. Anyway, today is August it's, 12th. And so uh-huh. picking a really like topical topic weeks before the episode will come out is a risk. I think we can talk about investigating a former head of state more broadly and also mm-hmm. more specifically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because for those who aren't caught up in American politics, we had a, a pretty revolutionary thing happen where the FBI raided Trump's Mar-a-Lago stay where he lives. He like lives in a hotel, but they basically like raided yeah, his resort. 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 Yeah. He lives in this resort. Mar-a-Lago resort. And they raided his, where he lives and they, they had a warrant and they went after, you know, looking for specific things in his home. And so, you know, other countries have a history of, of investigating their former heads of states, but for criminal behavior. And America has always really prided itself on never having done that on always having a peaceful passage of power. And I think there is sort of this sense that like, we don't do that here. But I think that that is like very problematic because what if the head former head of state is committing very dangerous crimes? Like we can't yeah. just like yeah. not investigate because of like being proper and like, oh, we haven't done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought this episode was going to be on Richard Nixon. <laughs> I was going to say, but Nixon was in power when yeah. that happened. So, I mean, yeah, it is uh, it is very interesting. I'm trying to think if there's ever if there's ever even been a a former head of state that was doing anything that we knew of to investigate. Right. That's the thing. It's like this is this is different. Yeah. Like what he's doing is different and also like dangerous. And I think it like I think people are like this sets a terrible precedent for us. But I think this sets a perfect precedent. This is what we should be doing. Right. Because otherwise it's like then, yeah, when you're president, break all the rules, do all the crimes, do whatever. And like we won't touch you. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually hadn't heard that before. Like people were saying that this set a bad precedence. This just seems again. And we've talked about this before. Just because we there's no like it hasn't been done before or it's not being done like it should be done. Right. (laughs) I thoroughly believe that, like, even after the election, why was there no investigation when Democrats firmly believe that Russia tampered with the election? Why wasn't there an invest- investigation? You mean which which election? Because there was for... I mean, for... The 2016. 2016. There 2016. wasn't like a... Yeah. Well, what, what was the Mueller report? That, it was just... That yeah, but wasn't, what does that do? It didn't do it. There wasn't like a like a investigation. Like, they didn't really look... Like, they looked into it, but they didn't like really look into it. Well, see, I think part of the issue was I think Mueller did look into it, but I think he no was way. he was dealing with this the there not being the precedent of 
of bringing charges against a sitting mm-hmm, president. Mm-hmm, that's it. So even though he nece- he prob- I think had the evidence to do that, he felt so deeply uncomfortable being the first person to do that that instead it was like we leave this up to the justice right. department and then nothing happened. right and then it's like oh the justice department yeah. by the president that you're investigating of course they're not going to move forward yeah. with anything what do they think they got him on they're supposed to say today like they're un whatever releasing the warrant yeah but uh there's a lot of speculation that it has to do with um nuclear documents that he brought home (gasps) nuclear related documents that are like a big public safety hazard because like if that gets into the wrong hands like people will know about our nuclear program yeah pretty bad i can't believe that anyone was arrested for anything in florida (laughs) wow so they they're gonna release the warrant today and say what it is they were getting him on what if they like they're investigating and then there's like um they find like dead bodies (laughs) Well, there is one on the they golf course. They go in there for <laughs> they go in there for a warrant. They find out he's just been burying bodies in the golf course. Well, he has. I would believe it. It has been what four minutes ago. Hold on. Ooh, dead bodies, dead bodies. Recovered eleven sets of classified documents in Trump search inventory shows. Why did he bring them home? Did he just forget? I have no idea why he did that. Why would he bring those home? They took around 20 boxes of items, binders of folders, a handwritten note, and the executive grant clemency for Mr. Trump's ally, Roger Stone. A list of items. Was the handwritten note just, it just said, it just said, dear Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. The list contain a seven page document that also includes the warrant to search the premise. Okay, so hold on. So so do we think that he just like brought this stuff home to sell? Like, do you think he's like just like he's like highest bidder? I'll give you the codes. I really don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that Trump is based in reality. And so it's really hard for me to even speculate on why he does the things that he does, because he's operating under different belief system than what I believe to be true. I feel like he just forgot and he like took a briefcase home. No, and then there's just, like, boxes forgot. that the boxes are actually labeled. There's various classified TSSCI documents. Um, there's a box that was labeled top, top secret sensitive <laughs> compartment information. It also says agents collected four sets of top secret documents, three sets of secret documents, and three sets of confidential documents. The list didn't provide any more information about the substance. The boxes were labeled. The boxes were labeled top secret. (laughs) Do not remove from White House. It's truly wild. But like, what does it like this idea that like, oh, we're we are discrediting the presidency because we're now going after a former president. Like we already did. No, he has discredited the president. Yeah. yeah. Like he is the one that has taken away any beliefs that we had that it was like a, a position of some like, I don't know, like I feel like it started with Nixon. I feel like it, I mean, I feel like the American people started having or at least white people started having less of a regard for the presidency starting with Nixon and then they felt like they got it back a little bit. But then like, you know, Clinton had his own scandal and George W. Bush was mocked. And like, you know, I think like I think like I I don't know, I'm not a political scholar, but I really think like this is like the 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 peak of something that's been building Mm -hmm. with regards to how people view the presidency. 
yeah, it's no longer like a respected position. Like, I don't think that like, because I think especially with Trump, it's like the idea that it has to be a certain type of person to become president is. Gone. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. done. Like mm-hmm. anybody could become president. It's no yeah. longer like a sacred thing. I'm ready. No. <laughs> Please, I'm Melissa. <laughs> yeah, very <Don't>. exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's just really it's it's horrifying to me how quickly then his supporters went to defund the FBI. <laughs> like, right. These people are out of control. And they try to make it, they try to, they're now saying like the FBI is like this far left group and it's like, we don't want them. The FBI <laughs> is a far right group. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's truly wild. It's wild how they're able to just completely change their perspective in order to align with whatever is going on with him. Mm-hmm. That like anything, like whatever storyline <laughs> makes it so that Trump is right and someone else is wrong. It's like in one second. And it's really, that's what's so scary to me. I love my comrades at the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) What do we rate this uh, bonkers ride of an episode? I rate it 13 out of 12. I'm sorry my internet died. (laughs) I'll rate it uh, 50 out of 40. Breaking news developing still. Yes. Honestly, this is a breaking news podcast. <laughs> It'll be so late. <laughs> It'll be a month <laughs> later. <laughs> Whatever. Crooked media, you think you got anything on us? Come at us, baby. <laughs> They'll be like, we are already in a different year than what you guys are talking about. <laughs> um, and I will rate it 31 out of 14 friendships matter. Aww. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you to Danielle Byer Jackson for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond Monts. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Tracy Soren. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash Team or on our channel, youtube.com slash show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also at Allison Raskin, at SheIsNotMelissa, at Gabby Road, Emotional Support Lady Substack, Patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn, and also Allison's book, Overthinking About You. Go and leave a Goodreads or an Amazon review. Um, You can also go to Scribd and see my book, Stimulus Rack. But Allison's, give them reviews. Okay, bye. Forever. Dog.